Hello and welcome to Truth versus Hype. Ten so-called urban Maoists arrested across India, a raging debate over their arrest. Tonight we focus on what the police say are at the heart of the charges against the accused. A trove of emails and letters that the police claim to have recovered from them. It's these letters that the police said form the basis of explosive claims they made that these men and women were part of a banned Maoist group, they planned violence, they brought in weapons and even plotted to kill the Prime Minister. This correspondence is between Central Committee and some of these uh, overground cadres, the so-called overground cadres who were completely working at the behest of the Central Committee. Now, since these letters form such an essential part of the police evidence, we decided, with the help of experts, to scrutinize them closely. We have a total of 13 letters of those that have been leaked to the media, of which at least nine were read out at the recent press conference that you just saw images of held earlier in the week by the Maharashtra police. Though the police claim that they were recovered from laptops or other electronic devices, they have no physical or digital signatures or email headers. At any rate, if these letters are taken at face value, then these are some of the main anomalies that emerge based on some of the experts that we've spoken to and they appear to run contrary to how Naxals operate. We'll just run you through some of them with my colleague Mariam Alavi and then we'll go across to panel. Now, Mariam, one of the first things that most people have pointed out is that in these letters, it suggests that Naxals are communicating with these urban sympathizers using their first names. Yes, Vasu. So one of the first things that pops out when you look, take a closer look at the letters is that each one of those letters mentions at least one name. For example, there's a December 26 letter which mentions Surendra, mentioned, uh, presumed to be Surendra Gardling. There's a letter from 2nd January which mentions Comrade Sudhir, Comrade Shoma, Com Comrade Surendra again. Sudhir is presumed to be Sudhir Dhavle, Shoma is presumed to be so Shoma Sen. Um, another letter which mentions Mahesh, Arun and Vernon. Some letters even mention the full names of those who have been arrested. Varavara Rao has been mentioned in one of the letters, an undated letter. Okay, and so, alright, understood. So basically, uh, the names are mentioned again and again and some, uh, several of these names are people who have been arrested. The other aspect which comes out, Mariam, is that Naxals, contrary to what experts suggest, in these letters are communicating their plans in explicit detail. Yes, Vasu, some of these letters have very extensive details about what they're going to do and how they're going to go about it. For example, a letter from R uh, states that I'm sending a catalogue of the available equipment along with this package final dispatch. Uh, the weapons will be disassembled, uh, disassembled, merged inside heavy electronic appliances before it reaches your designated dumps along Odisha and Chhattisgarh border. The said catalogue had images of Russian grenade launchers, Chinese grenade launchers, and machine guns. Right. And there and were other letters as well, I think, which had details, including the letter which laid out how they actually planned to kill the Prime Minister. Yes. In fact, one of the letters dated 18th April 2017 said that Comrade Kissin and few other senior comrades have proposed concrete steps to end Modi Raj. Hmm. We're thinking along the lines of a Rajiv Gandhi type incident. It sounds suicidal and therefore it, there is a chance that we might fa fail. Okay. Now, another anomaly that seems to emerge from these letters is that in one of the letters, it indicates that the Naxals are actually supporting the activities of Krishnari missionaries, Christian missionaries, who traditionally are their rivals. Yes, and a letter from 5th 
October 2017 uh, praises the work that Christian missionaries have done in the mm -hmm. area. It says that the role of Christian missionaries is very important in mobilizing the Adivasis to defend their rights. Through these efforts, we can confidently say at least 25% tribals have accepted the path of Jesus Christ in the last five years. Okay. Uh, and lastly, before I go to panel, there was one other anomaly where now there's a repeated reference to a comrade Prakash in these letters. He's either writing letters to these uh, quote-unquote urban sympathizers or he's receiving letters from them. Now, according to the police, they claim comrade Prakash is an alliance for someone called Rituparn Goswami, a northeastern-based Maoist commander. Let's listen. His uh, full name is uh, Rituparna Goswami, if I'm not mistaken. Rituparna, his name, real name is Rituparna Goswami. He is from Assam. That's his real name. He, uh, he's, a, he's a Maoist leader and he closely works with the Central Committee. But Mariam, according to uh, the letters, it actually seems that this so-called Northeastern commander is located or communicating from Chhattisgarh. Yes, Vasu. So in at least one of these letters, a particular letter that was dated 25th of September, uh, Prakash is writing to comrade Surendra and saying there is an urgent need to increase our strength here because we have suffered major setbacks in the adjoining regions, major revolutionary lives lost in encounters along the Sukma-Dantewada strip. Sukma and Dantewada, as you know, Vasu, are both in Chhattisgarh. All right. Thanks very much indeed for that, uh, Mariam. Let's just uh, now go across to our experts. We have more anomalies. We'll come to that in a second. Uh, we have with us Ajay Sani, who's the Executive Director, Institute for Conflict Management. Thanks for being here. Uh, we also have with us Swaranjit Sen, former DGP of Andhra Pradesh. Now, Ajay Sani, just to begin with you, based on what we've seen and heard so far, does this make any sense at all? Let me just start with a small factum. Okay. Uh, the entire so-called Maoist urban strategy is defined most recently in 2007 mm. in a document called Urban Perspectives, okay. uh, our work in urban areas. Right. <coughs> this is roughly 30-odd thousand words, 100-page uh, document you could say. Mm -hmm. It mentions the words secret, secrecy and secretly mm. 96 times. 96 times? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I think we could just start off by saying yes. that Frankly, even if four little 15-year-old uh, boys got together hmm. to conspire on their first crime, right. do you think they would be writing uh, to each other like this? So this business I of... Mean, there's of this whole, whole, whole uh, fabric, uh, obvious and evident fabrication. The other thing is the selective identification of individuals who are anti-state, anti-government, or, or thought of as being, you know, uh, I have said this before, but I'll uh, just uh, repeat it. Today, if you oppose the government, mm. or you oppose this particular ideology, yes. you are either a Maowadi or you are a Jihadi. I'll, I'll and this roughly is where we are going. I'll come case. to that part of the letters in just a second, but I quickly want to bring in Swaranjit Sen here, uh, Mr. Sen, and for your initial comments as well, that as Ajay Sani was saying, that does it seem highly unusual that Maoists are taking full names, are detailing their operational plans, and even claim to be backing and supporting Christian missionaries? Well, as far as I can see, hmm. the method of communication is usually through in encrypted encrypted uh, messages right so in such encryption 
there would be that confidence that nobody can break it. It is obvious that if police claims that they recovered these letters in their present form, that these letters were decoded by the receiver hmm. and then printed and therefore prints of it were available. So there is nothing surprising about the letters and the way they have been written. This is in total so confidence with two parties or four parties, whatever it is. Sir, I don't and think, I don't think the police... It's, it's an encrypted form. Sorry to interrupt. Which is the received by the receiver. Saying, sorry to interrupt. Sir, the police are yeah. not suggesting yeah, that yeah, these are me. decoded letters. They are not suggesting that these are letters which have been decoded. These are, according to them, no. the raw letters as they have been recovered. In your experience, have you ever come across no, Maoist spelling and out their full name and giving operational no, no, details? Well, not when you take the operational level, the lower level. If they are going in for some operation, they would certainly not like to share the names of people who are involved in this. But these seem to be letters among the higher echelon of Maoists. And therefore, I, I really don't find anything that surprising okay. that they have letter, written letters, encoded them, encrypted them, right. and sent it to the other party who would have the wherewithal right. to decode them and print them. So okay. the printed form of letters have been found by the police. Okay. I, I feel, I personally feel that there may not be anything wrong with that. Okay, you, you're, not, you're not contesting the letters. Let me just speak to, uh, let me just go across to someone I spoke to earlier, which is Rahul Pandita, a journalist who's reported and worked from Bastar. And I began by asking him the same question that I put to the rest of the panel as to whether he finds anything credible in these letters at all. I, I, think, I think it's, uh, you know, I've never seen uh, uh, any communication uh, dealing so directly with uh, uh, what they are planning to do in 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 any area. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's a, it's 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 a fact that the Maoists uh, for for a very long time have had uh, very elaborate plans about how okay. they want to infiltrate cities and towns. Right. And okay. you know there are signals that uh, the Maoists have played some sort of role in say uh, the violence that. Uh, um, uh, succeeded, you, which happened after Karlanji, for example, or in uh, Shingur or Nandigram. Uh, uh, but I can safely uh, say, uh, you know, after a very careful study of these particular letters we are talking about, right. I have never in my experience uh, seen any letter uh, which has so many details. You know, you have phone numbers, you have mobile phone numbers, right. etc. I think it's, I think it's preposterous. So Rahul, in ordinary terms, if it was done as per the Maoist playbook, how would they have done it? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Coded language, uh, you know, no comrade would be uh, named by his or uh, her uh, real name. Mm -hmm. No mobile n numbers would be given. And, you know, there's very uh, little communication about, you know, this exact requirement of eight crores or four lakh rounds of, uh, you know, this particular weapon. Um, I think this is all, I mean, I've never seen it personally. Okay. So the other point I wanted to ask you about is that there is a claim that these are actually emails that have been recovered or, or 
uh, sort of electronic communications that have been recovered. Is that commonplace for Maoists to be emailing each other? It's highly unlikely, Vasu. It's highly unlikely. Uh, sometimes the Maoists use uh, fake email IDs, etc., to communicate with journalists or send press releases. You know, some of us do get these press releases all the time uh, from from different IDs, which you can clearly make out uh, or, or on, on emails. But these are very ordinary press statements about a particular killing which they want to protest or if they want to uh, say something about the current government or something that the government may have done, for example, demonetization or about a particular encounter in Chhattisgarh. Okay. All right. Thanks very much indeed for that, Rahul Pandita. Let's just uh, move on to some of the other patterns that emerged from these letters. And that's something that Mr. Sani was mentioning as well, that by a happy coincidence, the names in these letters that emerge are similar to every one of the arrested or raided who of the you know the multiple people who are arrested or raided either as letter writers or receivers or named in the letters so in the letters there is a surendra a shoma a sudhir a gautam an arun a vernon a rona an anand and a mahesh however the police is yet to supply proof that these are the very same people who have been arrested by another happy coincidence, the letters also feature names of every possible critic of the government slash the BJP as possibly linked to the Maoist plots. So the letters mention the Congress. It also mentions left and Congress supported student unions like the NSUI, the AISF, the DU and the JNU student unions, the Tata Institute of Social Sciences, Umar Khalid, Jignesh Mewani, Christian missionaries, and even overseas academics who do work on caste discrimination. In one letter, for instance, these academics are referred to as Comrade Anupama Rao and Comrade Shailaja Pike, suggesting that they are willing to advance the Naxal case overseas by organizing seminars and so on. Indeed, there are academics with that name. Shailaja Pike teaches history at the University of Cincinnati. Anupama Rao teaches history at the Barnard College in New York in America. We wrote to them, uh, but they are yet to respond till the time of the airing of the show. There are also several mentions of the BJP being under threat. Earlier, there was a reference that we mentioned about the plot to kill the Prime Minister, but also a mention that BJP leaders in Jharkhand should be captured to force the party to roll back an anti-conversion law. So this actually, Ajasani, speaks to your point that there almost appears to be some sort of political design behind these letters. I think a very uh, immature and a very childish political design. Mm -hmm. I'd like to also uh, underline one thing. Yes. You know, it's, it's this the genius of the Pune uh, police in uncovering this uh, grand plot. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Swaranjit Singh is here. He's uh, served with the Andhra Pradesh police, which has had the greatest successes yes. against the Maoists uh, in this country. The SIB Andhra Pradesh hmm. has known about Varavara Rao's overground activities for the past 50 plus years right. and has pursued him, arrested him in certain cases, etc., etc., never been able to uh, uh, really pin him in a case. Hmm. And yet we find that Mr. Varavara Rao, unknown entirely to the SIB, hmm. for which I have tremendous, uh, SIB Andhra Pradesh or hmm. SIB Telangana now, right. uh, for whom I have tremendous respect. They're amazing. They've done Actually, amazing work. Yes. But unknown to them, he is the principal uh, uh, channel for the acquisition of weaponry. Are you serious? I mean, there, there is a Somebody who is a marked man who has been exactly. in and out of you jail, who is the, the usual suspect in some way. Yes, and, and understand again the Maoist uh, strategy and tactic. 
they would never compromise mm. a high profile urban uh, or high profile overground worker right to do petty <laughs> underground work right never this is just basic strategy and tactics uh, would you like to would you like to come in on that uh, sir swaranjit and the fact that as ajasani says that would you would the police actually be suggesting that varavara yeah. rao is involved in a plot of this nature perhaps even a threat to the prime minister's life and nobody knew about it in andhra in andhra or Pradesh. telangana yeah well what uh, what mr sani is saying has quite a lot of substance but we have known for years and years that varvar rao has been leading this kind of uh, outfit and therefore it is not a surprise that he would be involved in any big project if they are planning planning it as such so so while uh, yes it seems little odd that people who have you know who have been at cross purposes with the government have been named in this but you can't rule out the fact that these people have actually been against all government activities not only this government for a long time so why do you want to rule out the possibility of their involvement that is how i would look at it as a police officer and if i have to investigate i shall certainly take this line also okay but sir when you say you know, they've been to get to the bottom of the story now about christian missionaries yes i am very doubtful i am very doubtful about that aspect you see the christian missionaries will go and and do their work the charity work and but to simply find fault with them because certain number of uh, you know tribals have converted to christianity yeah i think this is ridiculous no but i want it to it happens okay i want to ask you also somebody a better option no, no, why should he not you, take it okay mr uh, mr sen i want to ask you when you said that it's assumed that these people have been working against the government for a very long time ajasani wanted to come in that one should scrutinize this a little more seriously but how does one make the assumption that all these no, people are see, working against the government they are never mind my point is there is difference between the possibility hmm. and having a case right now i see no case here the possibility that varavara rao is a front organization of the maoists very highly likely right but then why isn't he in jail despite all that the sib knows and does right i mean why isn't he in jail for the last 50 years are these people front organizations hmm. do they use let us say human rights uh, 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 legislation right uh, to defend protect free hmm. uh, incarcerated mouse right. the answer is yes yes we all know that hmm. but there is a difference between that and making this leap of faith that mr swaranjit singh sen is uh, willing to make hmm. uh, that they are actually in, actively involved in plots to murder uh, the prime minister you know slight slight uh, gap uh, uh, in, in the system you know okay that that's uh, sort of putting it mildly but mr sen you know again going back to some of the the aspects that emerge from these letters yeah. one of the aspects that emerges repeatedly is this anxiety about fact finding missions there are 12 references in these letters to fact finding teams or ffts as they're called about uh, you know going out and looking at atrocities either in kashmir or in chatisgarh and the attempt is appears to be from these letters to suggest that fact finding uh, teams and missions which are a perfectly legitimate way of, for civil society to examine the excesses of the state are somehow also part of a maoist plot so hence the concern that all of this 
whether it's to do with listing of, you know, the BJP's political rivals, fact-finding teams, academic institutions which are seen as left-leaning, are these all, you know, part of a Maoist plot or are these basically political rivals who are in a sense being demonized here or targeted? Well, <laughs> you are right in uh, expressing your concern. Hmm. Now, you know, what's happening in the Maoist movement or Naxal movement, Yes, they don't have adequate number of intelligentsia. And I feel all this hmm. is in order to attract educated youth into the ranks so that these people Mm. may carry their banner in the future. Okay. So all these things which are happening, you know, the big talk about uh, we will do this and we will do that. Right. Or that we are getting so much ammunition, etc., etc., is to impress these young minds. Okay. That, you know, we are something, we are a great force to reckon with for the future. Mm. And you joining us will be able to make a special mark Okay. In the country. But okay, and you know, that's how okay. they, they uh, managed no. to uh, convince okay. impressionable but minds. All right, let me just so a lot of this is engineered yes. to attract these kind of people. Okay, these, you're saying it's attracted to engineer. Let me just put a last moment. question to you. No, no, yeah, I, I'll please. allow you to come in. I suspect that, uh, you know, your answer may be similar to what I'm asking you, that at the end of the day, this discussion is academic. The police have to essentially convince the courts with this trove of letters. Can they? Based on your experience? Uh, absolutely not, but I would like to come to something Mr. Sen said that, uh, you know, this is. Correct. These are secret communications according to the police. So, how are they supposed to attract the whole world unless the police starts disseminating them, which is what they are doing? Right. These were supposed to be, according to Mr. Sen, right. uh, en encrypted communications, mm. uh, which have been then decoded and printed. Mm. Uh, and yet, Mr. Sen tells me, mm. or tells us, that they are intended to influence masses of intelligentsia, young youngsters, right. to join the movement. You know, this is this is literally a, a kind of twisting all kinds of logic to somehow or the other justify what the Pune police has done. And there we'll is no case whatsoever. All right. Well, like we said, it's now for the courts to decide, but certainly multiple anomalies emerging there from these letters. Thank you both very much indeed for joining us. That's it on Truth versus Hype. Thanks for watching. Good night.